lot of guys doing it. <laughs> and only one guy can uh, be the best. to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, alongside our Friday co-host, Bob Bardis, and we are live from the Boston Billiards Club and now Casino as of a week ago, where you can come right now and find charitable gaming options, including 15 poker tables alongside five pit games, including roulette, blackjack, Mississippi stud, let it ride, and plenty, plenty more. All gaming tables were custom built by Rye Park Gaming of Las Vegas, Nevada, I'm telling you, this has got a Vegas feeling here. There's plenty of pool tables, as there always was. That's why we uh, gave you a few color of money clips there. Classic Scorsese film. Uh, we're here. I mean, it's, you know, just after three, and half the tables are already packed. Uh, so a lot of, 
A lot of people either don't have to work or they're cutting out wor- out of work early <laughs> to uh, make up what they can't make at work. Who knows? But, uh, Bob, how you doing, my friend? Excellent, excellent. Yeah. I am ready to go. We got uh, Texas Hold'em, but it'll be no holds barred in Miami Homestead this weekend. Uh, we'll get to it in this coming hour. We have championship weekend for NASCAR for all three series. Yeah, that's yep. uh, big stuff yep. for sure. And Kristen Lestock will join us at the end of the hour to discuss that. Actually, Bob... We won't be able to do it. I didn't have time to send it to you and give you time to listen. But a good friend of mine, Ed Berliner, is, uh, he started up a, he's a longtime broadcaster, worked in Boston, okay. Philly, and Miami. Uh, big NASCAR guy like yourself. I actually should put you guys in touch. Maybe we'll get him on the air with us one Friday. Okay. He said that NASCAR can no longer be considered a major sport in North America. I, I did not get to listen to it, but we'll have. To, I'm going to forward you the email. This, and, this is the puzzled look. Yeah, I, I, Bob's looking at me like, "What are you talking about?" But <laughs> he, he he said that uh, the I guess the quality of the racers, the personalities, it has gone awry, and he doesn't think that it can be that way. I imagine you disagree. I absolutely disagree. Set, set up the uh, set yeah. up the courtroom. Let's, Let's do argue. it. We're going to get him on Let's next argue. week. Then we'll, we'll make it happen <laughs> next Friday. We got uh, Coors Light is in the house, and Amiskeg Liquors is right here. <laughs> Mr. Boyle, the good hockey guy, and Jeremy, my uh, Nashua pub tour guide, is here as well. I don't know if my liver can handle that again, but uh, <laughs> we uh, will start from here at the Boston Billiards Club and Casino in Nashua, 55 Northeastern Boulevard. If you want to come down and say hello and play some games, shoot a little pool. they got plenty of big screens around. It's too bad there wasn't a Bruins game on tonight because this would be a cool place to watch a Bees game. But there is Celtics on against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, by the way, I am calling an absolute thrashing of the Celtics tonight. Sorry, Celtics fans. I, I think that Golden State is just going to destroy this team tonight. Uh, but then again... The Celtics will surprise us. Who knows? We'll talk a little Celtics later on, but we've got a great lineup in store for you. We're going to start things off in the next segment talking to Eric Engels, a good friend of mine and hockey reporter colleague up in Montreal. He writes for Sportsnet. He covers the whole league, but obviously a lot on the Canadians too. He sees a lot of uh, a goalie that has caused a lot of frustrations for the Boston Bruins named Carey Price. And this week... He wrote a story, and I, you know, I want to get you listeners to chime in if you want during the segment or before, and I'll read your tweets out if you want. You can hit me up at Twitter at Murphy's Law seventy four. Again, that's at Murphy's Law seventy four, or you can hit the show at the Stretch Run NH at the Stretch Run NH, and of course, ESPN New Hampshire is at ESPN NH. Bob, what are you again? It's at Robert A or J? Robert J. J. That's right, as in James <laughs> or Jimmy. No, Robert J. Bardis, at Robert J. Bardis. You can hit him up there. I, I can't agree with Eric, and I'm going to tell him this when we come on. He says that Carey Price and Dominic Hasek are the most dominating goalies ever in the history of the NHL. Do you agree with that? I mean, whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Yeah. I mean, there's a few that come right off the bat to me, to my head here that I can I mean, spit out, right? I mean, I, mean, I think I'm, we're thinking the same ones right I'm, now. I'm a kid that grew up with Patrick Waugh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who, and, it, it, he's from his town too. He had to see Patrick Waugh playing in Montreal. Yeah, so that that that's my first immediate reaction, followed by uh, uh, Martin Brodeur. Marty Brodeur. Yep. yep. Um, um, another Montreal, Ken Dryden. Maybe. Yes, yes. I know it was a short career, but in that yep. in that short time he played, he was insane. <laughs> uh, I mean, we could go I mean, way who, back. Let's, well, I wasn't even going that far back. Who who was the rival at Detroit uh, Red Wings at the time? It was Osgood and um, who? It was another. Oh, it was Colorado. Yeah, well, I was in Colorado. No, 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 no. There was dueling dueling goalies for a period oh, of time uh, at the Red Wings. It was Chris Osgood, Osgood and Mike Vernon. Yes. Yeah, Vernon was great yep. in Calgary and Bump Detroit. Calgary. Yep. Uh, I mean, and then there was it was. You could look at. Uh, I mean, I'm going Eddie. back to the day. Hextall. I'm trying to do all the all the. You know. Well, we could go back even further to, you know, you look at um, Johnny Bauer, uh, Terry Sawchuk. Yep. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, and, you know, I think he's basing it on what he's seen in his life. But to say the words ever yeah, got that's, me. That's, so we're going to talk to Eric Angles about okay. that because I'm a big goalie guy, man. I was yep. a goalie myself. So when it comes to goalies, I love to talk about it. And we'll talk to him about that. He also, I like getting his insight on what the rest of the league in terms of media, how they look at the Bruins right now, where they think the Bruins are headed. 
Uh, they're coming off a, you have to say, a successful road trip, even though they lost one nothing last night, a heartbreaker there with 40-something seconds left where uh, Adam McQuaid falls in front, as I was just telling you off the air. He gets hurt, and he's just sort of limping to get up off the ice. And there's Tory Krug just sitting there. I don't know what he's doing, just not picking up anyone there, and a goal happens. And I, don't th- I just don't think it was fair to, you know, a lot of people are trashing McCra- McQuaid. He's an easy prey because of his contract. He's overpaid. Um, but he's a solid stay-at-home defenseman. I don't blame him at all on that play. And you know what? Hey, if they can come off that road trip, where are they, 2-1? and one? Or three and one. I mean, that's that's unreal. They, not the way we looked at things when they started this season. For them to go out on the road like that, for Tuka Rask to be playing the way he's playing right now, Bruins fans should be happy. So we'll talk to Eric about that. We will also talk plenty of football. We mentioned NASCAR at the end of this hour, but plenty of football. The Patriots trying to rebound from that game last week, that loss of Seattle at home. They go out to San Francisco. A lot of people looking at this in the next few weeks as a perfect remedy for that loss and for what ails the defense, I don't particularly agree. I think it can be. But, Bob, we've seen with the Patriots and with anyone in sports, that's why they play the game. Exactly. Right? Exactly. I mean, you can't, you can't sit there and say, this is a win, that's a win, that's a win, and the Patriots are going to be fine. They're going to demolish them. And, you know, people forget that when an opponent plays the New England Patriots, okay, that's their Super Bowl. Right. They're going to have the best ratings. Everybody's showing up and everybody's going to be on. You know, like, if the San Francisco 49ers win this game, they don't give a bleep what they do for the rest <laughs> of the season. They could care less, right? right. I mean, think about it. You're right. San Francisco 49ers. You suck. Right. I mean, you're absolutely atrocious. you got nothing going for you. You have no shot at the playoffs. Right. The only, the only meteor attention you're getting is Kaepernick. Right. Or Tom Brady coming into your house. Right. Okay. And... You have a chance right now to take some, something, salvage something from this season by upsetting a team like the New England Patriots. Yep. So it's not necessarily going to be a walk, uh, you know, a walk through there for the Patriots. They're not necessarily going to cover the 13-point spread. They, they very well could. I think they, they will, but I don't think – I just – I think there's a lot of cocky Patriots fans right now. Yep. And there's a lot wrong with this team. So we're going to talk to uh, – especially on the defensive side. I shouldn't say a lot, but there's – there's enough wrong with them on the defensive side. We'll talk to Cole Wright of NFL Network about that and a little to Gabriel Morenci as well as he makes his pick when we close things out at the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> stand, and also, stand by, buckle, special, buckle in when he comes Yeah, up. special guy. He's been on the show before. Special guest. He, uh, he called and let me know. And you, can check, uh, you should check him out right now. Let me pull up his Twitter page right now so I can tell you where to go. He's doing a three-part series where he went out there a couple days in advance and he talked to Brady's family and friends and coaches because Brady is from the Santa Clara area where the 49ers play. So he's returning home for the first time in his pro career to play there. He would have loved to have made that first time last year because that would have meant they were in the Super Bowl. But that didn't happen. And now here he is heading back to San Francisco, back to his roots. And Bill Burt is out there right now. You can go to at Burt Talk Sports. He is from the Lawrence Eagle Tribune. He's been there for a while. He's the sports editor. Uh, he's one of longtime writers there, and he's doing a three-part series on Brady's return there, and then he's going to talk to Brady as well at the end of it to see what it was like. Uh, you know, going back, dealing with all the, the family requests and, and seeing everybody and also trying to focus on a game. And if there's anyone that's good at doing it, it's obviously Tom right. Brady. But Bill Burt's got a great piece going there. Check him out at, at Burt Talk Sports. Uh, and like I said, our man Gabriel Morenci in the 5 o'clock hour. Looking forward to that. <laughs> Uh, he's always a trip. Always, always, always a trip. Uh, so we'll make some picks with that. And then we're going to uh, get someone here uh, from the Boston Billiards Club and Casino um, to talk about just everything that's been going on here. I mean, obviously, this is a big hit here. You look at these tables. They're already packing up. There's more people coming in as we speak. It's good stuff. So a packed show, Bob, as always. Uh, how are you doing? I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go. As you know, we, we I, I bookend, so we got the I'm, Red Bull going. We got, we got Red Bull, and uh, I've already done three hours this morning with George Russell on our sister station. So I did the news coverage this morning. We're going to do sports this afternoon. DVR. You're not going to fall asleep on me, are you? No, I got the Red Bull, and I got a Monster Energy as a backup. You know, okay. And, uh, yeah. Good stuff. How did the show go this morning? 
Very good. As what always. were you guys talking about? Oh, we, we cover a variety. We've had uh, Nashville PD, uh, Lieutenant Kevin Rourke came in to give us the, uh, the Blue Light Special Crime Report update. We had the uh, Nashville Community Music School came in. We had a nice 16-year-old uh, young man come I in. I wasn't play, in that update play at all, guitar. Right? You were not. Okay, no, good. You were not. Plus, plus, I put allegedly in front of anything. That's <laughs> that, you know, we screen it ahead of time. My so, Laszlo here. <laughs> Yeah, so we had a, we had uh, some acoustic guitar playing this morning. But this is your, I mean, we talk, I referenced the Super Bowl uh, a couple minutes ago. That This is your Super Bowl weekend, isn't it? It absolutely is. DVR is set. Trucks tonight. I mean, Xfinity how psyched are you, man? This is huge. Yeah? This is huge. Have yep. you uh, have you alerted the significant other that, uh, look, uh, leave me alone. <laughs> I am in my zone. She, she will be right there Here's, watching it all with me. Oh, okay. Yep. So yep. You, don't, you don't have to go. Here's the credit card. The mall's yeah, down it? there. Nope. Uh, leave me alone. Okay, so she's into it. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we, and we got rival I remember her telling me that yes. uh, right before my birthday, yeah. Yep. And we got rival Vacant. drivers, so there'll be a lot of elbows and bumps, you know, thrown across the uh, the love seat on the couch. You know, Great. Loser, loser's going to make dinner or do dishes. I'm not sure which here. Oh, yep. boy. That sounds like fun. <laughs> now, can you do, I mean, I know, like, you know when, you, uh, when the Super Bowl comes around, they do, like, squares and props and stuff like that. Is there anything similar in, in championship weekend for NASCAR that you could do? Not, like? not for me. Not for me. But, I mean, I mean, have you heard of that? Is it, I mean, how would you do it in racing? Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, how would you apply squares in racing? Is that possible? Uh, unless, you, unless you looked at something at the similar to quarters, you'd have to divide up the race. you got 400 laps. Who's leading at each, at each section? There you but, go. But I, but I don't know how you'd get See, all the numbers involved. This that's... is why I bring Bob Bardis on the show, because he just created a new game, <laughs> a new gambling game for NASCAR. Or it could be a drinking game. Who knows? Yep. Oh, that, yeah. There you go, man. Maybe right. maybe you're onto something right. there. I, I will tell you at times I've seen at the track that you know you normally do um, you do the, the program. So everybody in your row kind of goes through, and the first guy gets the first pick, and you go all the way down the row and turn mm-hmm. around and send the program back. So the guy at the end gets the two picks, and you average your two finishing drivers based on who you randomly pick, or you divide uh, double zero to 49, 50 to 99, uh, you know, odd cars, even cars, red cars, blue cars. You can come up with a different uh, – there's, there's plenty of plenty of games and beverages to be uh, included in Good that. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Well, there we go. See, that's why Bob Bardis <laughs> has paid the big bucks here at ESPN New Hampshire. Uh, and, and I forgot to say, too, we're going to talk some baseball. Yes. There's a lot of people right now, even though they... I, I think the Cubs uh, are going to go it, all the way this year. Yeah. <laughs> even though the Red Sox uh, basically robbed the Cy Young away from the Tigers, or specifically Rick Porcello did... Uh, from Justin Verlander and his his girlfriend let them know. Did you hear about that? I did yeah. hear about that, yes. Yeah, so apparently Mookie Betts' girlfriend, if he has one, is a lot classier than Kate Upton. Well, she keeps Kate, her sex life wrapped up. Uh, that's that's between them. Yes. yeah. Which but, I, but I Kate, respect. I understand Kate Upton took to Twitter. Yes, she did. Stand by her man. Yep. Do, do you know what she said? She said when when... And basically, you know, Verlander got more first-place votes. Right. So there's, like, it's really, I mean, he should have got the Cy Young, not Rick Porcello. Mm -hmm. All right? And so Kate Upton takes a Twitter, and she goes, hey, MLB writers, I thought I was the only one that bleeped Justin. Yep. Yeah. So I didn't see anything from Betts' family or significant others, but uh, Betts got robbed, I think. Mike Trout got the MVP. His stats definitely support it. Uh, But Mookie Betts clearly was more valuable to his team and helped propel his team to the division title and into the playoffs. And you can just look at what he did against the Baltimore Orioles, where he lit them up every time he played them. What he, the stats there, I'll have to pull it up, what he had against the Orioles, but it was unreal. But you know what? We're going to talk to Lou Merloni at the top of the second hour uh, of WEEI.com. And Lou Merloni, as we speak, is driving up to the Nashua area and Ma- Manchester because he is going over to the Radisson uh, Expo Center there up in Manchester where tomorrow, I think tonight and tomorrow they're having the uh, Granite State Baseball Club Awards. Uh, so Lou and Wade Boggs and Louis Tion and a bunch of other baseball celebrities are going to be up there. So Lou is going to take the time to talk to us later about the uh, MLB awards that have been given away so far, the controversial ones, of course, and also maybe talk a little hot stove rumors and see what the Red Sox might be doing on the trade market and free agent market. As Justin Sullivan and I, who's working the boards back there, we discussed earlier, they definitely need some relief pitching. I think they could definitely get a better closer. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. we got a great show in store. Uh, I think we're going to cue up the music here and take a little break. I see my, uh, my lunch has arrived. <laughs> and we will, uh, we'll be back here from the Boston Billiards Club and Casino, 55 Northeastern Boulevard, here in Nashua. Come on by. 
They got uh, all the games you can think of right now. Like I said, uh, got Blackjack. We got uh, Mississippi Stud, Let It Ride, and more. So come on by. There's tons of pool tables open. Uh, Coors Light is in the house. They're bringing uh, this show to you live from Boston Billiards Club and Casino. The stretch run will be back on ESPN New Hampshire. Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein. Ah-hoo, where was it London? Ah-hoo. things when you get there that just that you want to see just to familiarize yourself with the venue. Yeah, really, Mike, I think it's the same every week, whether you've been there or not. Uh, of course, if you haven't been there, there's a newness to it, but even if you have been there, um, at most, you're probably playing in that stadium once a year. Uh, so just re-familiarizing yourself with the conditions, the sun, the lights, the scoreboard, the 40-second clock. Um, I would say in, in most of these stadiums, the way they're built, there's a difference in the wind between in the end zone where it's more protected and out at midfield. Um, and usually the flags are pretty much no indicator of anything uh, other than it's the opposite of whatever they are. Um, you know, the, the turf, the footing, the consistency of that, if the cleats are an issue, um, if it's turf field, obviously it's not the case, but if it's not, then you know, what are the conditions, um, you know, Cleveland's surface versus, let's just say, Arizona's surface. I mean, they couldn't be more different. So, um, and so each game is different. So even if you've been in the stadium before, whatever, you know, if it's a day game, if it's a night game, if it's whatever the wind is, whatever the sun is, it's, it's different for that day. So I think, you know, fundamentally, you just always want to go through that process and reacclimate yourself to the specific conditions for that particular game. Something you can do a few hours before the game. We see, you know, sometimes the cameras will catch you and some yeah. of the other coaches just walking around the field before the game. Is that are those the kinds of things you're talking about in those? Mm -hmm. situations? Yeah. Yep. You, sure. You can get a feel for that then, and then I'd say in pregame warmups, um, you know, talking with the again, depending on the conditions, but you know, I always talk, uh, you know, about the kicking game because the the wind will affect the kicking game more. It affects the passing game. Um, but then, you know, how does that affect our overall um, field goal range, four down situation? Um, 
you know, directional kicking, so forth. You know, what, how, not because, you know, walking around is one thing, but actually going out there and kicking the ball or throwing the ball, um, you know, is a little, little bit different. And so you have a better gauge on it uh, after pregame warm-ups. So we kick first, so that's the first part of pregame warm-ups. And then we, you know, do the rest of it. Maybe if the field's slick, then in terms of cutting and running certain routes, uh, or maybe it's a certain area of the field, like we have to be careful on running comebacks on the sideline. You know, we don't want to fall down and, you know, throw a pick six or something like that. So, you know, it's just things like that. It's maybe getting really far afield here, but will you take a look at the grain of the turf and which direction? I've heard a coach in the past say something to me about um, he's been to stadiums and you can actually tell the way the turf has been. This was back when they used to roll out turf, but you could, you could look at that and see. Um, yeah, I'd say through the years, there's, you know, I mean, things have changed a lot through the years, but yeah, there's, there's some fields that definitely have a slickness to them, if you will. Um, and that could be the way it's, you know, the way it's cut or whatever rolled or whatever they do. Um, some fields have a softness to them. Um, you know, we're not dealing with this anymore, but, you know, even not that recently, not that far uh, long ago was, you know, the whole infield situation in Miami whether it's sodded or infield or whatever. Uh, but that was you know, definitely a factor. Uh, like in those games, we always tried to, in the fourth quarter, be kicking on the non-infield end, um, regardless of what the wind was, as an example. So again, that's, that's something we got to deal with. But you know, um, the seams and so forth, you know, those old fields like Veterans Stadium or baseball fields where they would um, uh, you know, take out the pitcher's mound and put in a, you know, square of turf to, that they would inlay in there, you know, where there's some, there some bad seam areas um, in various spots. I mean, definitely the players, you know, were aware of that. I mean, they're not looking at it, they're playing, but they're, you know, there's awareness of it. Uh, the end zone, a lot of times the sidelines, when you have multi-purpose field, there are multiple markings out there. And, um, and we had that in, uh, when I was in Denver. Uh, in, in Old Mile High Stadium, uh, where the uh, Denver Bears played, the um, first base line ran not quite parallel to the sideline. And so it was lighter, but you could still kind of see it. And the way it was cut, it was, you know, it was, it was clearly there, but the sideline was a little bit further. And you know, I remember we had, you know, a couple plays out there. Um, one in particular where a runner thought he was out of bounds and he was still in bounds and you know, got hit and I mean, it was a yard sale. I mean, it was, you know, helmet, ear pads, chin strap. I mean, it was so, you know, each each stadium has their own, own little idiosyncrasies, uniqueness. Well, obviously getting rest, is, especially at this time of year, is, is very important to the coaching staff getting it players rested and whatnot, but when you're traveling... It's important to the coaches, too. Um, but going coast to coast, um, just getting curious to get your thought on traveling Friday, giving yourself an extra day, what kind of benefit that gives you as a team? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, different ways to do it. Uh, in the end, I think the most important thing is to be prepared and play well. I think that overrides all the other, all the other things. I mean, what you've done different things in the past. I yeah, assume. it's based on the schedule. I mean, when what it's based on where you're playing, when you're playing, what the other circumstances are. Sometimes there are uh, the options are maybe not endless based on the um, whether it be the hotel or the airplane. Um, getting a bigger plane for a longer trip, maybe those aren't available 24/7. I mean, there are other factors that go into it. Again, each trip has kind of its own characteristics. So I, I don't feel that there's just like one way to do things, that we got to do it this way if we're traveling here or traveling there. Um, as much as we can, we try to stay in a routine. So. Do you do that months in advance or a week or can you, or weeks in advance? You try, to change, you try to change your travel plans in a week. Trying to, you know, ship 200, whatever it is, 200 people out to wherever you are, players, coaches, staff, marketing, equipment, everything else. 
with the FAA regulations and so forth. I mean, you just can't throw whatever you want on an airplane now, I'm telling you. You got weight requirements, you have packing requirements, things like that. There are things that we did years ago, even as little as a couple of years ago, that we can't do anymore. So a lot of times we truck our equipment to um, the away sites. That's definitely not the plan this week, but again, that's there are issues with smaller planes and weight and cargo and baggage. Uh, individual player, but I mean, it's look, we're moving a lot of people here, and it's no, that's not something I think you can do now. Look, every once in a while, something comes up like when we played Pittsburgh in the AFC championship game, and we had the snowstorm, we left a day early and went up there. You see what your options are, make the best of them. Um, sometimes there's availability, and sometimes there isn't, and then you figure out what the next best thing to do is. but. No, it's certainly, we're not in an environment where we can, whatever we're going to do, okay, let's do that. That's, there's a number of hoops to jump through. I've heard um, some players and maybe even yourself say something along the lines of um, availability can be almost as important as ability or something along those lines. And Dependability is more important than ability. Dependability. Yeah. Um, I put my own spin on it there. Yeah, no, that's no. Well, that's. Yeah, I agree with that. I just I wanted to ask you just what you've um, noticed from Tom Brady along those lines, just relative to like all your years in the league. Watch him take that hit from Cam Chancellor, you know, and then he like expresses this confidence shortly thereafter, like I'm I'll be there, you know, like don't worry, you know, I'll do what I have to do, and it, he's obviously committed to that part of it, and I'm just curious. Absolutely. Yeah, very impressive. It's, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of great qualities that Tom has. That's right at the top of the list. Um, and it's not only his. Uh, certainly, it's important for him to be physically healthy, but it's very important for the team on a weekly basis to be able to go out there and practice and get the timing with the quarterback who's going to play in the game with the other people, the linemen, receivers, and so forth. They're going to play with them. Um, so if you're missing one receiver, then maybe you can get the timing with the other 10 players, let's call it. If you're missing the quarterback, then, you know, you can still get it. I mean, and certainly we have a good quarterback in Jimmy, and, and Jimmy can go out there and run everything that Tom can run. We've seen that. So I'm not saying that he's not capable or qualified to do it. He is, and he does a great job of it. And when we put Jimmy in there, it's really seamless. He can't, unless you were actually looking at the position, if you just could block out that position and say which guy was in there at quarterback, I don't know if you would know a lot of times. But um, for the quarterback to have that kind of consistency with the snap count, the cadence, the, the way that his voice or mannerisms or reminders are in the huddle, um, and little things like that, his... Um, the, you know the whole timing and everything on the line of scrimmage and running the plays in practice like that is a huge carryover to the game. So again, Tom's consistency to do that uh, again not only for himself but for the rest of the team and the ability for the rest of the team to be able to have been able to count on that is very important. And he's 39, and like I know, like um, maybe Marino and Favre, like players like that. If I remember, I've talked about like, hey, when I get to that later stages in my career, I love the games, but it was all the work that went into getting to the games that was hard, you know, for for them. I think they said that. But so I'm just curious along those lines, is that also to you make this player Tom? I mean, different or rare? Or is that something that stands out to you? At yeah, it definitely stands out. Yeah, Tom works very hard on his. Uh, physical um, conditioning, recovery, rest, and so forth. So uh, it's really 24-7, you know, 365 days a year. From what Every day he's here, I don't know if it's 365 days a year, but every day I see him here, he's doing those things. He's not just in here to put in time. He's in here to um, work on his training, work on his conditioning, work on his recovery, get treatment, get... Um, you know, do whatever he can do to physically maintain or improve uh, where he's at. So, absolutely, that's that's a it's a daily, multiple times a day, but it's a daily thing for Tom.
Mm -hmm. Bill, looking for the identity of this team now at this point in the season, um, do you think this team needs more of a swagger, more of an edge than it has right now? Yeah, I, I don't really know what that means, so I can't answer the question. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to win games. I'm not trying to, you know, create. I don't know. I don't know what the identity is. The identity I'd like to have is a team that wins a lot of games. Okay, so, um, which you know, we've had some of that around here. So I'll take that rather than being known as a, like this kind of team or that kind of team. I think if you're a smart football, smart tough football team that wins games, that's I mean, that's what you want to be. So the rest of it. I don't really know what that means. So we haven't seen Cyrus Jones on defense for a while now. What do you of his development as a cornerback? Cyrus has worked hard. Yeah, he's worked hard. He's had, um, uh, as you know, when you're uh, working with the scout team, a lot of times that's a better opportunity to develop as a player than working not on the scout team because you're working against our best players doing the best things that they do. So uh, you're not. You know, you're seeing our, our top players trying to run our offense, and you're out there on the scout team trying to cover it or defend it, as the case might be. So that's a great opportunity to improve for practice squad players, for scout team players, um, and that balances with the players who are playing, trying to execute the plays that they're going to have to execute on Sunday to win. Um, so um, I would put him in the same category as a lot of other players in that, uh, as they work very hard on the practice field to improve their individual skill uh, and their craft. And that's a good, great time to do it, great place to do it, is to work against our other best players at the complementary positions. So he's done that. Do you recall anyone specifically throughout the years that's really improved through those scout team reps? Have you seen improved? Um, Wendell, Steve Neal. Steve Neal didn't even play football. I mean, you know, they, I mean, they don't just, you know, grow on trees and there's a, there's a process. I mean, all the guys, Dan Connolly, I mean, we have many offensive linemen. And welcome back to the stretch run here at Boston Billiards Club at 55 Nashua Boulevard in, uh, 55 Northeastern Boulevard in Nashua. Uh, the casino is hopping now. Get on down here. Check us out. Check out the table. Uh, we had a little bit connection problem there, so I hope we didn't put you to sleep with Bill Belichick. He was actually pretty entertaining today, uh, if you ask me. I thought he was pretty good. So uh, thanks to Sully for putting that on. Uh, we appreciate it. And we are going to go to break right now. When we get back, it's time to talk some NASCAR with Kristen Lestock of New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Jimmy Murphy, Bob Bardis here from Boston Billiards Club and Casino. We'll be back. Going back to La Sancion, way past New Bordeaux. I got a brother in Parthenay, he's doing two years less a day, uh-huh. To my bay at La Sancion, way past New Bordeaux. Jean Fred Parthenay, you just made ten months yet. Angelica. In a holy way. This is what I was put on this earth to do. Religion of Sports, an AT&T original series, premieres Tuesday, November 15th at 8 on Audience, DirecTV Channel 239, and Uverse Channel 1114. Hats, t-shirts, hoodies, and more are now available at ESPNNHradio.com. Get your gear today. Tim tells me you've been running open wheels. That's right. And now you just want to up and drive NASCAR. That's right. What do you know about stock car racing? Well, watch it on television, of course. You've seen it on television? ESPN. The coverage is excellent. You'd be surprised at how much you can pick up. He's bound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just like no man. 
And welcome back to the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, joined alongside by our man, Bob Bardis. We are live from Boston Billiards Club and Casino, 55 Northeastern Boulevard in Nashua. Come on down. Starting to really pick up since we got here. Just a before three. They're doing a great job here. The surface is great. I just had a nice chicken Caesar salad. Get a little, little substance in the belly now. And some Red Bull, and uh, we are ready to go, and we are ready to talk some NASCAR with Kristen Lestock of New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Kristen, how are you doing this weekend? I'm doing great. Sounds like you guys are having a ton of fun. <laughs> yes, we are. We are. It's always interesting. <laughs> we had some technology yeah. problems, but uh, that, that comes with being a Murphy. Uh, Murphy's Law does exist, yeah. you know? Yeah, we, we pit it Computer. off sequence, but we're back on track. Yeah, it's Murphy's Law. That's all it is. But listen, it is, as we were saying in the first segment of the show, uh, this is the Super Bowl weekend for NASCAR fans. Uh, how excited are you for championship weekend, Kristen? I am so excited. It has been, uh, you know, a long year coming to see who we would have as a champion. And we're finally going to see on Sunday who will be the champion uh, for 2016 in the Sprint Cup Series. We've got four drivers who, honestly, when you look at each of one of them, I have arguments on, which I, on how I think each one of them could win. Uh, I think it's going to turn into being a very exciting race. And I really think it's going to come down to one of the final laps at Homestead Miami Speedway to see who wins the championship this year. Christian, before I uh, let Bob get to some of the races here, I just I was asking him, we were talking about, uh, you know, the, the comparison to the Super Bowl versus NASCAR championship weekend, and we were just talking about some of the uh, the gambling games that go on. You know, you get the uh, the props and the, and the squares at Super Bowl, and, and Bob was trying to come up with some games here in the air. But I want to ask you, in terms of advertising, how much more does it go up this weekend versus every other weekend in the NASCAR season? And like we see in the Super Bowl, uh, when you know we have those crazy commercials that some people simply watch the Super Bowl just to see the commercials. Do you have anything similar to that in NASCAR? Is it that unique? You know what? Absolutely. But I would say that that comparison, even though um, it's not the final race of the season, I would say it compares more to the Daytona 500 because um, that race has got so many... Um, views around the entire world of people tuning in to see it's such okay. a well-known race. I would say that that mm -hmm. is much more um, comparable to the Super Bowl, but it's a little bit interesting, right, because the Super Bowl crowns a champion, whereas in, in NASCAR, one of the, the most known races is the one that starts the season. I think this weekend, though, there's going to be a lot of eyes um, on watching this race, but I would say that uh, Daytona has a little bit more comparison to the Super Bowl. So are we gonna Bob? Are we gonna see like a Bob Bardis uh, thing coming across the scroller there? Uh, someday, someday, someday. All right, there we go. There we go, Bob. Go ahead, my friend. All right, Kristen, uh, you uh, indicated you've got a story for each of the four drivers. I have my own. So let's let's give the listeners a rundown. Who who are the top four, and who are you predicting here? Yeah. Absolutely. So the top four that we have for this final race, we've got Joey Logano. He is a New England native. Uh, he has made it to the championship four um, two times already, and he has three wins so far um, at, uh, in 2016. We've got Jimmy Johnson. He has made it to the championship four in this format uh, one time. He's got four wins so far this season. He's going on to win um, what could be such a monumental, historic championship for him, and he's going for his seventh championship, which would tie him for the all-time uh, list with Two uh, veterans that we that we all love and know, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. So that could be an awesome story. We've got Carl Edwards here. He uh, has been in the championship for this type of a format one other time. He's got three wins so far this year. He, um, out of all of the four guys, has two wins here at Homestead. Um, at Homestead. Uh, so he kind of trails those drivers. He's got the best finishing average. Um, and he's going on to win his first championship. He had um, the, probably one of the most close and notable championship races that we've had in, in the last few years was against him and Tony Stewart several years ago. Um, and, and Tony was the one that went on to win the championship. Um, and then there's Kyle Busch, who is our reigning champion. He's trying to do two in a row. He has one win here at Homestead. He's been in this final four uh, two times, and he's got four wins so far this season. So he's another driver um, 
that's looking really good. But Joey Logano uh, right now is the driver that's fastest in practice uh, of those final four. Ryan Newman actually is fastest, but Joey is up top. Yes, and, and I was characterizing the same as you. I think Carl Edwards is the bridesmaid. He's always here contending, still wondering if he's going to finish through. Kyle has already come out in the media and said it's a take-no-prisoners approach. He will move a teammate in order for that win, uh, meaning cousin Carl Edwards. Uh, but I think uh, Jimmy Johnson, underappreciated as a champion, uh, and my, part of my concern and assessment here is he's always defended the championship by being ahead in points. So this is the first time he's contending for the win in this type of format. And Joey Logano, though, if I'm going to have to put uh, some jelly beans uh, here down for a wager, uh, I think he's the underrated driver, but given his finishes at Texas and Chicago and the tire compounds that they're running, I think he's got the magic momentum right now. You're absolutely right. We actually put a poll up on New Hampshire Motor Speedway's uh, Twitter page at NHMS, and we said, who do you think will win the championship? We listed all of the drivers. Uh, there's been um, over 200 votes, on. it's only been up for a few, few hours. Jimmy Johnson's prevailed. Fans think that Jimmy, 45% of them think that he will win, yep. followed by uh, Joey Logano at 21%, Carl Edwards at 18 and Kyle Busch at 16 So I think, um, like you, I would love to see Joey Logano, New England native. I'd love to see him get a win. He has done has had a phenomenal year. He uh, had a great uh, story last weekend with winning um, that race. Uh, I think another driver that would be just great to see would be Carl Edwards. You know, like you said, he's the bridesmaid. He, he's had chances to win before. It didn't work out a few years ago. To get a first championship would be great. But then let's look at Kyle Busch. He won last year, and he only raced part of the year because he was overcoming an injury. Right. Now we've got a driver that's raced the entire season that has been so dominant who wants to do uh, two in a row. And, of course, Jimmy Johnson, you know, there's not much you can say. You know, I think it's, it's understated on, on how well of a driver he's done with the fact that he's won six championships and going on to seven to tie for the most in, in NASCAR. Right. And mean, meanwhile, we've got the uh, trucks getting ready to qualify here shortly. Uh, what a heartbreak story last week for William Byron, rookie six-time winner, and took the truck that he started on the pole at New Hampshire, won New Hampshire, brings it uh, – uh, here to Phoenix, and the motor blows after he is yep. just dominating, leading 130-some-odd laps. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely yep. right. Yep. Tough day for him. Um, and, and you're right, there's two other championships, too, though, going on, um, you know, within the truck series. Um, William is not uh, the driver that will be in the Final Four. Tough weekend for him. Um, and, you know, Brad actually spoke about how uh, he knows exactly how it feels um, to be eliminated from the chase and all the stuff that's happened with him. But the truck series, he's got four great drivers, and the Xfinity series, he's got four great drivers. So this is certainly championship weekend. We will have three championships and three drivers that will leave um, by the end of the weekend. Yeah, I'm wondering if with Kyle Busch having Christopher Bell uh, today, the rookie uh, in the truck series, if that's going to distract him from looking to go forward on the championship uh, run. I don't think there's much that distracts Kyle Busch. Uh, he certainly, <laughs> you know, he is a team owner, and I'm sure that he's shooting to try and, and get um, a win in the other series. But he is a very focused guy. I think you look at all of these four drivers in the Sprint Cup Series, they're all very focused, very determined. They are um, just hard race car drivers. You know, I think they'll do anything to get the win. Um, and, and like I said a few minutes ago, I really think with these four drivers especially, it's going to come down to the wire. It's going to be, you know, yes. the last lap, if you will, that will determine who will win. Yeah, and meanwhile, over in the Xfinity Series for the championship tomorrow night, we have Junior Motorsports versus Joe Gibbs Racing with Elliot Sadler, Justin Allgaier for Junior, Eric Jones, and uh, Mexican native Daniel Suarez looking to make history uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing in the Xfinity title. You're right, and Daniel Suarez has been a driver that has really uh, excelled this entire season. You've got a driver like Justin Allgaier, who um, has, has, has driven another series, Elliot Sadler, um, who is a veteran in our sport that we've talked about and, and most notably was, was running in the Spring Cup Series, but now in contention for the Xfinity and doing so well at it. And then Eric Jones, another uh, young gun that I think we will see very soon in the Sprint Cup Series. So, going to be an interesting weekend, team versus team. 
Um, and, and overall, I think pressure is on for all of these drivers and all of these series. Agreed. Well, I, you know what, guys? I am excited for you, too. I can see, I can see Kristen smile <laughs> through the airwaves here right now. And I hope that uh, you enjoy championship weekend. Kristen, I know you're going to be away next, uh, next week on uh, Black Friday. So what we'll do is we'll get you on the following Friday to wrap things up. And uh, I wish you a, a great holiday week next week. Thank you, and, and to uh, the listeners as well. And when we talk the following Friday, I will be out in Las Vegas for the championship banquet, so we will be able to give some insight on uh, what happens Excellent. Um, after that. Yep. So look forward to it. Good stuff. Awesome. Good stuff. Have a Headed great time, Vegas. Kristen. Yep. All right, that's Kristen Lestock in New Hampshire Motor Speedway here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, alongside Friday co-host Bob Bardis. Some great NASCAR talk there. We're going to switch gears in the next segment and talk some MLB and Red Sox with our own Lou Maloney. He's on his way to the New Hampshire area right now, headed to Manchester for the, uh, let's tell you right now, because we've got some tickets for it. The Granite State Baseball Dinner presented by Delta Dental is this Saturday, that's tomorrow, at the Radisson Hotel Expo Center on Elm Street in downtown Manchester. And we have a nice little package for you here, four tickets to the VIP reception where you can mix and mingle with some of the celebrity guests, including Lou Maloney of WEI.com, and be the first in line for autographs, plus four tickets to the Granite State Baseball Dinner. And some of those guests include Chris Carpenter, Cy Young Award winner, New Hampshire native, former Red Sox, and then a trader to the New York Yankees, Wade Boggs. Yes, I said that. Uh, Lou Maloney, like I said, Louis Tion, Rich Gedman, and Denny McLean. And the VIP reception runs from 4 to 5 p.m. tomorrow. So if you want... This package, we've got two of them right now, and then we have two, a set of two tickets to the event. If you want them, come on down to Boston Billiards Club and Casino here at 55 Northeastern Boulevard in Nashua. Come on over and find Mr. Bartis and myself here at the ESPN New Hampshire table over by the gaming tables, and they'll be yours. First come, first serve. We'll be here. And when we get back, Lou Maloney on a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. Giddy up, giddy up. 